Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our series titled Connect Here. Now, it will not take you very long to figure out that this series is all about who we are at Nexus Church. However, I realize many of you who are listening today will not attend Nexus Church at any time. You may live in a different country, different city, different state. But I want you to hold on because I believe that this series is for anybody who calls themselves a follower of Christ. Why? Because the church is not a building. It's not a location. It's not a statement of faith or a bunch of rules that we follow. It is people. You make up God's family, the church. And over the course of these nine weeks, we're going to be covering what God's vision is for you. How do you engage in the church? What is, what is it that he wants for you most? Well, we're going to be looking at the pillars of the church, what really makes up the core of who we are as a body. What should that be? It impacts your life because it's how you engage in ministry. And then we're going to talk about the values of, of what it is that we are as a people. What do we value? How do we carry ourselves? What do we, how do we, and what do we do as a follower of Jesus? And so my hope is that you can follow along over the course of these nine weeks and, and examine yourself. Take a look. What is it that God is speaking to me? And if you're not part of a church, I encourage you to go to a church that has these same values and pillars in their church so that you can be engaged and grow and develop into who Christ has for you. If you have any questions or ways that you want to get a hold of us, you can go to nexuschurchmn.com. You can find all the ways to connect with us there. And I hope that you enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to our second week in our series, Connect Here. Now, this week, we're digging into our pillars of our church. Now, again, whether you attend our church or you don't, I believe that these four pillars of our church are something that should be found at every church that you may attend. And so today, we're unlocking that very first pillar, and that is we believe in the church, the local church body, which makes up the church as a whole. And today it is my hope as we go through this message that you will come to agree with me and the Bible as well, that the church is the hope of the world and it is where lives are transformed. It is the most important 
agency on this earth, in my opinion. And so today we're going to be digging in to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. In this passage, it is, there's a lot in it, I will emphasize that, and it is about Jesus. It goes without saying, as we go throughout this series, that Jesus is the center of the church. He is the center of whatever pillar or value or culture or whatever you want to call it. Jesus is the center of the church. He is the head. He is the cornerstone. The church world uses a lot of different terminologies as well as the Bible. But he's the centerpiece. And so as we go through these passages, understand, uh, as we go throughout the nine weeks of the series, that it is all about Jesus. It's not stated specifically, and I know that sometimes churches kind of get some flack from people when they don't put Jesus on it somewhere. Yes, we are connecting Northwest Minnesota to Jesus, and it is at the center of all that we do. And so let's dig into Romans or sorry, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And here's where we read, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is through the flesh, that is through him. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who is promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I want to just read those last two verses in a different translation. Uh, sometimes I like to bring about these passages in a different translation because it kind of just hits things a little differently. And I believe that the Passion Translation really hits this passage very clearly and, and just gets right to the point. And this version says, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. We're going to come back to that passage in just a little bit. But before we move on and we start right at the very first verse in our passage for today, I just want to emphasize that I understand that as we talk about the church today, that some of you may be listening and have had some experiences with the church. In fact, maybe that's why you're watching online today. Something happened in your church, or maybe you're a member of our church and you haven't been coming. I don't know the situation, but I understand that people can hurt you. That the church as we will read and discover today, the church is made up of people. And people can hurt people. 
And if that's where you find yourself today, I want, I really want to encourage you that though people failed you, the church is what God has called us to. Each of us makes it up. And though people have messed up and hurt other people, that, that doesn't give us an excuse to remove ourselves from what God has called us to. This world is full of trials, full of evil. And sometimes we even mess it up in the church world. But that doesn't give us an excuse to stop meeting together. Especially as the days that we are living in continue to take us down paths that are far from God. We need each other. All right, so let's start taking this passage apart, one little section at a time. Now, this first section is all about confidence in Jesus, right? Again, the church is centered around Jesus. He is the only being that's ever lived or ever will live that was perfect. The only human being to live a perfect life. Listen to what he has done through this passage for us. First of all, Jesus opened up a way, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Now, in the Old Testament, we, we read constantly of the rigorous duties that a priest or a, a Levite had to do in order to perform his duties in the sanctuary, into the Holy of Holies. They had to be perfect. They had to prepare themselves and do so many different things in order for them to just even think about being in the presence of God, right? The Holy of Holies is where the presence of God dwelt, and they had to be perfect. Now, Jesus was the ultimate priest. He was the perfect priest. None of the other priests that had ever gone before him could ever have been perfect. They were human, but Jesus was perfect. He was fully God, fully man. Again, mind-blowing, something we'll never grasp fully on this side of heaven. He was perfect. And when he died and he took all of our sins upon him on the cross. And he went to the grave because he took them on. He conquered that grave. He conquered our sin. And when he died, he tore that veil apart so that now we can enter into the presence of God at any time. We can enter, as it said, in boldness. And so Jesus opened up the way. He tore the curtains and he gave us, number two, boldness. He opened up a way, and two, he gives us boldness. Verses 21 and, and through 23. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true hearts in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled, cleansed from the evil conscience and from our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession without wavering, since he who is promised is faithful. Now, first of all, he gives us boldness. We can enter at any time. 
we don't have to do a bunch of rituals. We don't have to, to, to somehow reach perfection because Jesus reached it for us. We can approach him with boldness. Listen to how Paul put it in Romans 8, 15 through 16. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, right? We're not some kind of little robots that are manipulated by God. No, instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Right? When Jesus shed his blood for us and covered us, now all God sees his son all over us so jesus opened up a way he gives us boldness and lastly in verse 23 we read that he is faithful let us draw near with true hearts in full assurance of faith why because in verse 23 he who promised is faithful he There's not a single thing on earth that we can truly have confidence in. Can't have confidence in the economy. You never know what will happen there. You can't trust leaders, what they're telling us, media, what they're telling us. Even our own friends and family, the people who you relied upon and were your rock can fail you. Maybe even have failed you. The church itself can fail you, but Jesus will never fail you. He is faithful. He's faithful. There's one thing you can count on in life. Jesus Christ. He loved you so much that he gave himself so that you can be in the presence of him and his Father for all of eternity. Jesus is then back to where we started. Jesus gives us access to the Father so that we can go to Him in boldness knowing that He is faithful. But yet, He does it all through the church. Now again, the church is some broad term that as we will find in our next section, is comprised of people. It's comprised of you and I coming together and working together. Because apart, we're weak, but together we're strong. You see, Jesus, when he lived this earth, we talk about this, this five-fold ministry of the church, the evangelists, the prophets, the apostles, the shepherds, the teachers, the leaders, all these different entities, Jesus was all of them. He was perfect in all of the needs of the church. There is no single person who is Jesus. We need each other because we all have different parts that make up his body, that is his representative to the earth. And so then he commands us in this passage, Jesus was all of these things. And now, this is not a time 
to pull away and neglect meeting together. Jesus has done all this for you. This is not the time to pull away from his body, the church, the entity that he has created to continue representing him. This is not that time. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. In other words, you and I need each other. Jesus has done all of this for us. He's opened up the way to the Father. We can come at any time boldly, confident, knowing that He is faithful. But yet, as we remain on this earth, we need each other. That's, that's crazy. It doesn't seem like it fits together, does it? But there is something that, that even Jesus understood. He needed community. He could have came to earth he could have made a massive explosion into the scene. He could have done everything he'd done. He could have done it on his own. But yet he, he brought people alongside of him to do the journey with him because even Jesus needed others to pour into him and for him to pour into them. So that when he passed on, they could continue his work. And we are to do likewise. And so for the remaining of our time, I just want to take just a, a brief time to examine some passages from the Bible about different thoughts about the church and how Jesus works through the church, right? Jesus is continuing on his ministry through us. And the first thing that we see that the ministry of the church is to do is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort one another. We read this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, that we are to strengthen, encourage, and comfort one another. Now, I'm guessing you probably have had a bad day a time or two. Who do you turn to when you need strength, when you need comfort, when you need encouragement? It's what the church is supposed to be. That's what we're called to. And we don't always get it right. But I'm guessing that there is somebody, if you are a follower of Jesus, there's somebody in your life. Maybe they don't attend the same church as you do, but it's still the church. It's still the body. You can still turn to them in times of need. But 1 Corinthians 12, 26, put it this way. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Likewise, Paul said in Ephesians 4, 16, it says that Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. See, you need the church, and the church needs you together. We bring fullness and wholeness. We we go to each other for strength, for comfort, for encouragement. We go to one another because there are gifts you have that I don't have. Right? We each have our parts that make the whole church grow and be strong. Make an impact so we can connect others to Jesus. The church, number two, works together to build 
God's kingdom. So first, Jesus works through the church to strengthen, encourage, and comfort each other. To build each other up so that we're all whole. But it's also used to build God's kingdom. A.W. Tozer kind of sarcastically put it this way. He said, a hundred religious persons knit into unity by careful organization do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. Just process that, right? Just one dead man could ruin a football team, could ruin a church. Without you, the body is incomplete. If, if a football team had this great offense, but it was missing a wide receiver, the other team would double up on the other wide receiver, right? You would have everybody focused on only a few players versus spread them out, spread them out, right? If, if a defense was missing their nose tackle, they could run the football right down the middle all day long. And they couldn't stop him because there wasn't a guy in the middle to stop that running back. He could get five yards every single time and they couldn't stop it. Right? Every person that is on a team is valuable. And so often we think, well, I'm not the pastor or I'm not on the, the leadership team or, or I, I'm, I don't have any special gift. Friend, if you don't show up and do your part, you are missed. You are missed. You are valuable. Even if your only job is to show up and be kind to another person, that drastically impacts the kingdom of God. Your part is so special. Don't ever belittle your part in the kingdom of God. Take what you've been given as a gift and make it the best anybody has ever seen. Because God is so worthy of our best. I'm not saying perfection. Our best. He gave it all so that we in turn could give him our all. Paul said it this way in Romans 12, 4 through 6. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Boom. Craig Grishel kind of spun it this way. He said, God is not calling us to go to church. He is calling us to be His church. We don't just show up and put our butts in the seat. No, we go and we be His church. That is what a Christian is. Passive Christianity is not Christianity. It's consumerism. It's sitting your butt down, listening to a great message, and doing nothing with it. You are called to the body. Every body has a part, and it works. It's not a slave, right? We're not slaves. We're children of God. We are called to joyfully give what God has given us to use for His glory, for representing Him to the world. You have such a special part. Don't neglect using it. It's so valuable. It's so valuable. And so the church 
Jesus uses it to strengthen, encourage, and comfort us in the time of need. Jesus uses the church, us, to make an impact for his kingdom. And lastly, the church is where God's glory rests. Listen to Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. This is what I keep coming back to. We all comprise a church. We all are his body with a function. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. The church, you and I, together, alive for him, doing our part is where his glory resides, where his kingdom expands, and where we find hope, peace, joy, purpose. As we come alive, we grow. Joel Olstein. Now, whether you agree with him theologically or not, but he put it this way. He said, you can be committed to the church, but not committed to Christ, right? You can be committed to the church and not be committed to Christ. You can attend, you can go. But friends, you cannot be committed to Christ and not committed to the church. You cannot be committed to Christ and not committed to his church. Remember, remember, the church is his body that comes together and each has an individual part that makes the body whole. In other parts, Paul would say, if we're missing a hand, we can't be useful, right? If you're the hand in the church, the church is missing out. You see, the church, friends, is the hope of the world. It is what Jesus left behind to go to be with the Father. He gave us the Holy Spirit to do this, so we're not left alone. We don't have no power to do this. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to continue to do His work, but we are now His representation. And together, when we come together, even in our fallenness, which is mind-blowing to me that God would use fallen people to do this, but when we come together and we use what God has given us, we magnify, we bring glory to God. And we expand His kingdom. Friend, are you passionate what, what Jesus is passionate for? Do you have a passion for His church? He has a passion for His church because it is what He has picked to continue His mission. And I encourage you today if you don't have a church family, to get one. I know there's not perfect ones out there. We're far from it at Nexus Church. But the point is, is we do the best we can. And as more people come in, more things can be done. When you join, that little part is incredibly valuable. The church needs you. And you 
the church. Father, I pray for every person listening today that they'll understand that first and foremost, the church is the hope of the world. It is the agency that you have left behind to continue your great work of transforming lives. And so, Father, I pray that each person would understand that even in its fallenness, the church still remains your entity that you have chosen. And I pray that each person, Father, would understand their important part in that, that they will commit themselves once again, even if it is hurtful from what has happened in the past, they will, by your Spirit, find peace and strength and rise up and re-enter your church. Father, I pray that you would do mighty work right here, right now, in each and every heart that's near. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm so excited for next week when we talk about our second pillar, that being our community. Hope to see you again this week.